0: This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to continue in our series on Jesus. And the, t- the title of the message is Be Fearless. Be Fearless. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to just tell you what it's about right away. And this is it. In your notes, it says here, my life is better when I'm not at the center. My life is better. How many people believe that? You're not very convinced, are you? Huh? Some of you are. Hey, I also want to give a shout out to the students that are here in the uh, kids' church. I forgot to welcome you. So uh, awesome to have you here to be a part of the baptism. So, my life is better when I'm not at the center. I'd like to maybe hear you say that out loud. Could you do that? Okay. At the count of three, you can look at the screen. One, two, three. My life That was convincing. That was convincing. So, uh, you know what I've discovered over the years, really? I've discovered that when I am not the most important thing in my life, my life really is better. You know, I want you to think about this. Think about the people in your life that live the fullest, best lives. Just think about that for a moment here. Think about the parents. Okay, think about parents for just a moment here. Think about when you have kids and you realize that you are no longer at the center of your life, and you realize that, you know what, now you got to serve for them, live for them, give up your dreams for them, you know, uh, be inconvenienced by them, sacrifice for them, for your kids, ultimately your life is better. Now, try to think about parents that keep themselves at the center how frustrated they are and, and, that, and how resentful that they can become because they can no longer be at the center of their lives. Now, who is really living a better life? The parent that recognizes that I cannot be at the center or the one that's fighting and scraping to remain at the center of life? Whose life is better? See, I think you'd agree that really your life is better when you're not at the center. Think about your friends. Think about your friends that you can call up, you know, and and you know that they're not at the center of their life. And, you know, you call them up and you hang out and you just kind of collectively do things together. But then you have the other friend. And, yeah, you can do stuff together, but you know that when you call them and you're going to hang out with them, it's kind of got to be their way, their thing, their time. Whose life is better? The one that is so full of themselves or the one that they are not at the center of their life. And here's what I've discovered. I've never met a truly happy person who's at the center of their life. And neither of you. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The people you think about that make the biggest impact on your life, they also are not at the center of their life. Who's made a big impact on your life that is full of themselves and is at the center of their life? There are none. And so here's the good news. If you're a guest this morning, if you're just checking out church, you're new to church, you don't even know what to think about church, maybe you're returning to church, here's what the message will do for you if you'll do the message. It'll make your life better regardless of what you believe or you think about church or the Bible here. You don't even have to believe. You just do what we're going to talk about. It'll make your life better here. So Luke chapter 9, verse 24. Look at what Jesus said, how he put it. He said, if you try to hang on to your life. Notice he doesn't say if you just hurt your life or you hurt somebody else. If you just try to hang on to your life here, he says this. You're going to lose it. In other words, if you put yourself at the center of your life, you're going to lose everything that you're trying to hang on to. And the challenge that we face in the world is this, is that every day the world screams at you that your life will be better when you're at the center. That's the challenge that we face here. And so the world says, hey, just pursue what you want. Just do what you want. Keep yourself at the center and your life will go better. And Jesus had the audacity to say, no, that's not how it works here. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time unpacking this here. So when you live for yourself, Jesus made this sweeping statement. It'll not be your best life here. You'll lose it here. So he talked to the disciples. I think he'd want to talk to us this morning and help us understand that there's a strategy out there that you're going to face when you leave this building here. And that strategy is to help you to participate in your own destruction. To help you to participate in your own destruction. In other words, you will destroy your life when you put yourself at the center of your life. When you have a me first mindset, that ultimately will destroy you here. So Jesus continued to say here in Luke chapter 9. On what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? You gain all the stuff. You gain all the money, you gain all the power, you gain all the significance, you gain the whole world here. Watch this and what he says here. Okay, what is it going to benefit you? He says, but you yourself are lost or destroyed. See, when we live for ourselves, here's what happens you get smaller. When you live for yourself, you get smaller. And so, uh, and you begin to live a life according to Jesus. It's a life not worth living. How confrontational is that? Then when you put yourself at the center, Jesus said, that's a life that's not even worth living here. Luke chapter 9 continues, but he says, But if you give up your life for my sake, you will gain it. You will save it here. Jesus said, you gain, watch, you gain by giving up. You gain by giving up. You go up by going down here. Is that the best promise or what? And so my life is best, but I'm not the most important thing in my life. So in our series, what we've been doing here, uh, we've been unpacking scriptures that are, that are, that are central and pivotal to this. And we've looked at Philippians chapter two. And I just want to remind you about that. Says this. Paul wrote to the church at Philippi and says this. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. But take on the interests of others, give value to other people. Okay? You must have the same attitude that Jesus had. And here's his attitude. Here's what we're called to live right here, which is basically don't put yourself at the center. And he talks about Jesus as though he was God. He did not think equality with God is something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, and he humbled himself. He became like us and was not at the center of his life. And then it, and then, and then it says uh, down about verse 14 or so, it says, now you figure that out, what that looks like in your own life. It says, let that mind be inside of you here. And then uh, it says in Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, Jesus goes on to say, after demonstrating what that looks like, an other centered life, he said, the greatest among you was well, going to be what? Your servant. The greatest among you is your servant. Now, think about that. According to the world's definition of greatness, how many people can be great? You can talk, so I'm asking you a question. <laughs> how many people can be great according to the, the world's definition of greatness? Yeah. And so, according to the world's definition of greatness, if you have immense wealth and power and money and position and beauty and accomplishments, you'll be great. How many people can be great according to Jesus' definition of greatness, which is to serve one another? How many people can be great? How many? Everybody can be great. I don't know about you, but you, you know, uh, if you could peel away everything inside me and look at the core of my being, you know what? I want to be great. There's something inside you that wants to be great too. Jesus said the way that you become great is you, you serve, uh, the greatest among you will be a servant here. And so now let's consider de- Jesus' definition of greatness. Because it's open for all of us. And so, and I want to point this out, that uh, how is it then that we become, I want to spend the rest of the time talking about this, how is it then that we can actually become servants? What is the dynamic, the the behind-the-scenes dynamic that so works within us that it would cause us not just to hear about it in church, but actually want to do it, actually want to be servants of God? Well, I want to use the story of the prodigal son to unpack this uh, and what it means here when we really grasp this. I want to remind you of the story there. It's in Luke chapter 15, but it's an incredible story of God's love. It's an incredible story. And you need to know there's a couple groups of people that are listening. And so what Jesus is doing is he's trying to demonstrate what God's love looks like, what God is like. So he speaks in a parable or story. So he tells this story to these two groups of people. And there's one group of people, and that group of people was the think-I've-got-it-together group of people. You know what I'm talking about? They were actually the church folk, and, uh, and so that group of people was there, and they were listening. And then there was another group of people, and that group of people was known as the notorious sinners, okay? That was a group that did not have it together, and so um, maybe you could think about what group you're in. Think about what group you're in you're in this morning. Those are the two groups, the notorious sinners that don't have it together or the church people that went to church on Sunday morning that think that they have it together there. So, which group are you in? So anyway, so they're trying to, they're trying to understand what is God's love like. So Jesus tells a story about this prodigal. And the prodigal does this. Here's what the prodigal does. The prodigal goes to his dad and says this, Hey dad, you can't die fast enough. In my mind, you can't die fast enough. So just give me my inheritance and I'm going to live however I want to live. And amazingly, the, the father gives him his inheritance. So he burns through his money on good times and, you know, fast living there, you know. And I mean, he's wild, you know, X-rated, wild, out of control, you know, a parent's worst nightmare. He's spring break on steroids. Okay. He's just out there. That was funny. I don't even care what you think. That was funny. So, uh, but he's having good times, good feel, good hits, you know, partying the whole thing, possessions, pleasures, going crazy. And what happens to him is happens to everyone that goes down that road. It's a well-worn path here, and the, everybody that plays that game ends up alone, broken, and broke. And that's where he ended up. And so what happens is he ends up feeding pigs, you know, and he's like feeding the pig slop and thinking like, I'm so dang hungry. The slop's looking pretty good. And then he thought, you know what? I I didn't have it that bad when I was back home. I really wasn't that bad. So the Bible says in Luke 15, he comes to his senses. After a long while, he comes to his senses. And then, and then uh, there's a there's a scripture which is so beautiful in here. Uh, I just want to read it to you. It's so beautiful that uh, it says this. And so he returned home to his father. Watch this. Watch. Don't miss this. Everybody listen. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. This is what God is like. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him. And kissed him. And think of the son. The son's, you know, thinking, I screwed up. I messed up. I jacked up my life. And he's got this well-rehearsed, you know, uh, excuse. But the dad doesn't let him go there. And he said to his son, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father's like, stop right there. And the father said to his servants, quick, get the finest robe in the house and put it on him and get the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and kill the calf that has been fattening. Uh, we must celebrate with his fit, with a feast for the son of mine who was dead is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found And the party begins. So isn't that awesome? But here, here's what I want us to see is this, as these people are listening. They're trying to figure out like, what is God like? You know, what is God like? And Jesus saying, this is what God is like. Okay, there's nothing that you can do. You can't be bad enough. Look at what the kid did. The kid that said, Dad, you can't die fast enough. Here's the heart of the father. When the son was still a long way off, there's, there's the son and there's the father and, he, and he's looking and he's patient and every day he's looking out and I wonder if my son's going to come home. And he, and he sees him like, there, like, there he is. There's, there's my son, and he sees him a far way off, and he, and he, and he starts to get excited, and, and he's so excited, he does something that was unthinkable in that culture, is that men would never run because they wore those long robes there, and he's pulling up his robe, you know, and he's running out there, you know, with his son to, to meet his son. He says, that's what God is like. But you know what? It says, there's, there's the older brother. And you know what the older brother does? The older brother's like this. Can't believe you, dad. Can't believe what you would do. I've never been bad, you know, and, and, and and I never even got a goat, you know. And, uh, and my brother gets the fatted calf. By the way, who is the saddest person in the story? The fatted calf. (laughs) (coughs) But you know what? Um, I can be like the older brother. And so can you. Because see, and maybe maybe it's not true of you, but it's true of me, is that sometimes I miss the love of God, and I miss the implications of the love of God. Which is this, is it God did that for me. God did that for the speaker this morning. While I was afar off, while I was doing my own thing, while I could have given a rip about anything having to do with God, he came after me. He loved me. He reached out to me. He sought me, and he saved me. And I can forget that. We can forget. We can forget what's been done to us and so that it doesn't transfer to others. And so the other week, I'm, I'm uh, in, in the, a church office and uh, somebody wants to have an appointment with me. And um, and so I had an appointment and a homeless, it's a homeless guy. And so the homeless guy comes in and he says, I got three things I want to ask you. I thought, oh, he's very organized. And so we sat down he said, I got three things I want to ask you. He says, the first thing is this. He says, will you do a Bible study with me? I want to learn the Bible. And I thought, all the people i say no to i don't have time to i don't have time to do one-on-one bible studies with you i love you but just the reality is i just don't have time to do that and so he says, i want to i want to learn the bible would you do a bible study with me and i said i wonder if he knows you know like unlike the older evil brother you know how i'm bu- i'm busy and um and i thought for a second but i felt like god say like say yes to him. Say yes to him that you'll do a Bible study with him. And so I said, yeah, we'll do a Bible study. And he was so excited. He said, can I write papers? And uh, can you give me homework? And uh, and I said, oh, yeah, you better take this Bible study serious. And so uh, you take this thing serious. I said, I want a summary of the chapter when we meet next time. And so uh, so I'm driving to church this morning. He walks around. Uh, he walks. You see him on the streets all the time, and I saw him, you know. And so I, I, I went out of my way, and, and I said hi to him, and he said, "Friday ten o'clock, right?" I said, "Friday ten o'clock, I'll be there. I'll be there." And I said, "And see you." And so anyway, um, but God puts people in that like our like that in our lives there, because for us to realize that. Uh, as Jesus said, when you do it to the least of these, my brethren, you do it, you're doing it unto me. And I think sometimes there's carefully disguised people that we don't even realize. We don't even realize that God is putting them into our lives. Uh, and, and we don't realize that, you know, uh, that they're not just, you know, faces or numbers, but like they have a name. They have a name. So yesterday I sat down, I had breakfast with him and he said, they know me around town. As Michael Stokes, I said, "Well, it's good to know your last your last name." And so, uh, but but here is what I want to I want us to get is Jesus said that look when you serve the least, okay, and the lost, and the lonely, and the forgotten, and the widow, and the poor, and the orphan, and the prisoner, Jesus said, "You know you, you may not realize this, but you're actually you really you're like you're serving me." And we when and when we begin to understand God's heart for people, it changes who we are and changes how we relate to other people here. And so, you know, there's the people on the streets and we just don't, we don't know their story. So I asked Michael his story and, uh, and he says, you know, they put me on Ritalin when I was a, when I was just a little guy, he said, that's like crack cocaine, you know, he says, that's like a drug when, when that's done. And then, uh, and then when I was 15, I left home and I went to. Uh, I ended up going to um, to Washington, and for twenty years, I'm medicating, drugs and alcohol. Twenty years, and and then uh, and I weighed five hundred and fifty pounds. I he said he said here, look, and he pulled up his shirt and he showed me a big old cut. There's look, I had surgery, you know, and, uh, a while ago, and I weighed five hundred fifty pounds. And so, uh, and so, he's like, we're, we're going to do the Bible study together, right? I says, yeah, we're we're going to do the Bible study together. And so, um, anyway, so then he told um, he told some other people that he says he, he called the church office and he's so happy. He said, I'm going to do a Bible study in the park for all the homeless people. I'm going to do a Bible study with Pastor Rod, and then I'm going to do a Bible study in the park for all the homeless people. And um, we'll wait and see, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. And here's what I want to say in your notes. When I serve others, when you serve others, we are better at life. You are better at life. When I serve others, I experience God's love. And so Jesus said to the guy in Luke chapter 12 that another story Jesus told that uh, he's just building more and more his business and leveraging that and three times over. And and, and just, you know, he never diversified any of his investments in his kind of his earthly portfolio. And Jesus would tell him this in Luke 20. So but God said to him, you fool, you're going to die this very night. Then who are you going to give everything that you worked for? And he had nothing invested in eternal matters there. And Jesus said, that kind of life's a foolish life there. And so, and here's, uh, so what I want to do in the time remaining here, I'm going to take about five minutes or so, 10 minutes, and we're going to do the baptism. The time remaining, I just want to give you some opportunities, uh, and these aren't the only opportunities, but uh, there are five be fearless, serve, experience opportunities. The first one is Sucumbi Park Outreach, and uh, uh, on um last uh, Saturday, served 250 hot dogs and loved on the people, but, uh, but here's, here's what, here's what I want you to hear. Because people do that and churches do that. But here's what I want you to hear. Here's what one of the men said. And, and I'm quoting uh, from the, the text that I got. The homeless man approached one of our, our, our the people there from Sanctuary and he said this. I quote, Thanks for taking time to stay with us. Some churches come in, take photos to share with their church, and then they leave. But you guys are different. You spend time with us. You spend time with us. So that's an opportunity. The next one will be July 21st. And all we do is is we make hot dogs. We, um, uh, we, we, we give them food. We serve them a couple hours on a Saturday. Great opportunity to do that. Um, and so then there's a Mexico loft house build. Maybe you've heard about this. Uh, there's a pre-build taking place next Saturday at 8 o'clock. You can come for half hour, hour, a couple hours, whatever. But that we're going to do two homes. Uh, we're going to give homes to homeless people in Mexico. So just check out this little video uh, that talks about that. So two families, you know, that live in shacks or tents or cardboard are going to have homes. And he could be a part of that journey next Saturday. Uh, also, uh, another uh, fearless serve opportunity is, is to go to Houston. Because there's still devastation. Uh, I was in Viter, Texas when I was there. And um, the next town over, I think it was called Roseville, they had 600 buildings in that town. 599 of 600 buildings were destroyed. Whole t- whole town's destroyed, and they're still being rebuilt. And so that team is going. We were uh, given a big gift uh, to send people there. We still have room if some of you would like to fit into that. So just check this out, this other video, of what happened last time we were there. So a couple other things. Just, you know, on Thursdays, Tom uh, goes down to uh, Colton. So hard for the homeless. You want to be a part of that. And lastly, in two weeks... We're going to have 120 of these. Okay, We gave out 500 sleeping bags for people last year. So uh, in two weeks, going to be 120 of them out there. You can take these and you can just give them to somebody. The guy that I talked about, Michael, that I'm doing the Bible study with, I met him because I went to give him one of these. And he told me, Pastor Sean already gave him one. So anyway, uh, (laughs) so let me just give you four things in closing here. How are you going to be fearless? Number one, you've got to invite the Holy Spirit into the space where you can hear God's life, hear God's voice for your life here. Just to pause and to pray. Let Him speak to your heart. Secondly, we can't hide behind excuses. And what is our first excuse? I don't have enough time, right? And then uh, or other excuses, I'm too busy, or there's other people out there more qualified than I am. Um so we got to bag the excuses. Uh, Galatians says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At the right time, we're going to reap a harvest of blessing if we just don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Now, let me just say this. Let me say this. Look, we could give little white cards. We give you little white cards. Say, just check the box. Tell us when it's good for you to come. Tell us what you want to do. But you know what? We would be lying to you if we did that. Because see... You know what? It's just, it's difficult. Um, just know this, to know that a serve experience, is going to be inconvenient. Uh, we're not Starbucks. You know, we're not a spa. And, um, you're not going to get like a spa gift certificate, you know, after you serve or Starbucks. I and mean, we're the church and you're just going to be inconvenienced. And uh, if we're ever going to actually serve, we got to be willing that I don't have to give up something and it's going to inconvenience me. And the other thing I just want to say is, you know what? If we're going to serve, we're going to be fearless. Got to recognize this. It's going to be a little bit scary. It's a little bit scary sometimes, and but uh, you just trust God and kind of move beyond that and you give that sleeping bag to someone, and it's going to bless your life in two weeks.